Welcome to Wealth Radar, the podcast where we scan the landscape and navigate the noise of investing in personal wealth. I'm Jason Fowler and I'm joined by my brother Paul. We are certified financial planners from Fowler's Group. And in this episode, we'll be discussing all things aged care with our fellow financial group, uh, Fowler's Group advisor and aged care specialist, Amanda Goldall. What a mouthful that was. That was. Um, look, aged care, it's a, it's a huge area, isn't it? For, for us over the last, well, for Amanda, I should say, over the last um, six months, um, the inquiries and the le- level of activity have been um, been really, really good. And it's, I, think, I guess it's a topic that's, or an area of advice in financial planning that's not traditional. Traditionally, you know, it's giving advice around superannuation, investments, insurance. There's normally a product recommendation. Um, or you're giving advice around a product that someone else where this is this is quite different. There's not necessarily a product, but it's really, I guess, demystifying yeah. and, and clearing things up for people that are sort of need advice in, in this area. It's one of those things like we spoke about insurance. It's something that no one ever talks about yep. until it's needed. So. so welcome, Mandy, our specialist. Thank you very much. So Mandy, before we get into the meat of aged care, what a question we've asked all of our guests so far, and you're number three. So very important, you're in single digits. What led you to the career of financial advice? Um, It's probably something that I've always done um, for us and our family and our business over the last sort of 20 years and and really just wanted to formalise it and uh, help a lot of other people out there. Um, I found that there were a lot of people that really had very limited understanding of the basics of, uh, of finances and financial planning and um, how to make the most out of of what you earn. So um, that's how I ended up getting into it. That's cool. And, and you landed. And you landed here. Oh, what three? Is it? Oh, geez, I get I get lost with time. Is it three three years ago? So you're in the right place now, which is good. Yes, definitely. And so I remember probably I don't know maybe a year or so into you being here that we had a chat and you said you know this is an area that we think we fellas should be involved in and it was something that we'd done on and off a couple of times and every time I did it, it was go back to square one and start again because the rules changed. So looking back on that, why the passion for aged care advice? Uh, The reason I actually got into it was because I watched my mum uh, go through putting my grandparents into a nursing home. Um, Mums are quite an astute woman and very clever and she really actually struggled with just the understanding of all the different aspects from Services Australia to the the fees to nursing home to how it was calculated um, and a lot of the decisions that had to be made um, from a financial perspective. Um, she asked me to get involved and as I sort of got more involved, even being a financial advisor, it was clear that it's a very, very complex system um, and it's very, very hard to navigate through. Um, there's a lot of information that gets thrown at you and it's not always correct, the information you're getting. Um, so it becomes very, very difficult to make decisions um, for financial reasons. Um, but on top of that, the, the emotional burden of putting someone into a nursing home is extremely difficult. And then the fi- making the financial decisions just seems to be overwhelming. And the, and the reality for the, for the clients that you've seen certainly over recent times... So when you first sit down with them, is it is it a is it a reactive, um, I guess, response? Something's happened in their lives for them to come see us, or is it something that they plan for, or or how does it generally come about? Why do why do people come to you to, to get advice? What triggers it? 
Uh, usually in most circumstances it, it's been a full uh, a medical episode or, um, or it's become too too much of a burden for the family. Um, the family never wants to put someone into an aged care facility. It's not something that anyone ever actually wants to do, um, but it becomes there's a point where it has to be done. We have had one client who actually wanted to go in um, mm-hmm. because he could see the burden it was causing on his spouse. Uh, it's only happened once. Um, and we have had other elderly clients actually just ask the question, if I need to go into aged care, then what does it actually look like? Yeah. How am I going to be able to afford to do it? Um, but generally speaking, uh, even when we ask our ongoing clients who are getting to the age where they should be starting to think about it, uh, and starting to plan for it, um, the response is usually, oh, I'm not going there. That's not yeah, going like, to happen. Like, in, like life insurance, isn't it? Yeah, the, absolutely. Um, you speak about, um, I've heard you talk about um, the, the three phases of retirement and going, and we did a, a two-part <laughs> retirement series, actually. Maybe it should have been three. Should've we did a Bledisloe Cup yeah. two-part series um, not long ago about retirement, psychology of retirement, then have you got enough money? But I guess this is part three. Yeah, that we didn't know about. So let's let's talk talk through that for people that actually in retirement. What what are these three phases that you talk about? So the first phase, I guess, is you know the phase where you're carefree, you've retired, you're out holidaying, having a great time, usually spending more money than you probably mm. should or had planned for, um, and they're they're sort of the great years of retirement. And I, and I, I know you referred to those in in your previous podcast. Then the second part of it is where you start to slow down a bit. Maybe some things your knees are starting to go, or um, there's there's obstacles in the way as to why you can't keep up the pace anymore. Geez, I think I'm there now with my knees. <laughs> <laughs> You're well and truly there. Um, and then then you sort of enter those frailty years, and it's quite interesting statistically. About two thirds of women end up in in residential aged care, and about half of all men end up in residential aged care. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and given those stats are so high, right? The thing that I think surprises all of us as we get into this area is that people don't even think about it, right? That retirement is about all the enjoyment, even though the stats are that chances you're going to need care at some point. We know it's expensive. What? Why do you think people don't think about it? And what? when should they be thinking about it? I think the reason people don't think about it is because they just don't think it's going to happen to them. Um, from a planning perspective, it's really interesting, as you touched on before, we talk uh, we talk about in planning um, a, lo- a lot of contingencies. Mm. So if you, what happens if you can't go to work or well, we get income insurance? If, um, if what happens if something, you know, ne- you need an emergency stash of cash? We always recommend that people have that, um, you know, set aside ready for, for those things that might go wrong. But as soon as you raise the topic of aged care, mm. you, oh, that's not going to happen to me. Um, in retirement planning, people want to plan for holidays and visiting kids and travelling and, and doing all the great things that they want to do in retirement and they and they really don't want to even think about mm. what, what it looks like after that and they, they're assuming that they're going to stay in their home forever. And unfortunately, the reality of that is uh, it's probably not going to happen for everybody. And while you don't have to make a a specific plan for it, we do suggest that you start making contingencies for it in the event that it might happen. And statistically, more than half of you, it's going to happen. Yeah, Yeah, and based on those numbers and and statistically, I think we've said before, 100% of us are going to keep getting older and older and older and older. And Um, and for me, the interesting thing is some of those stats that, that were there is that 
if you look at life expectancy, males live uh, less longer less. Than, than, than women. Or we're not as resilient, I guess. Is that what that means, Amanda? I, I yeah, guess that's why only half of men go into aged care because <laughs> yeah, two-thirds of women <laughs> do because we have to stay home and look <laughs> yeah. after the men. That, that's true. But based on those numbers and on the stats, about half of your time in retirement from age 65 um, it looks like that you you're going to be under some sort of some sort of care or have some sort of disability or it be partial or, or severe. So that's the numbers are quite compelling. I, yep. Sorry, Abs- you were going to. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And and even planning for aged care, it's not even planning to go into residential aged mm-hmm. care. There's there's a lot of um, home services um, packages that are around as well. So planning to actually get on the list to get some sort of funding to help you stay in the in the home. The government's invested a lot of money to make sure that people can stay in their home as long as possible because from a government perspective, mm. it is actually the cheapest option if you do stay in your home and most people do want to stay in the home where they can. And I think that, sorry, Paul, I, th- I think that that's an interesting point because for most people's, people have a mental picture, we talked about this in the retirement one, a mental picture of what retirement looks like. And I think people have a mental picture of what aged care looks like and that aged care is lying in a bed in a home, yeah. cared 100% of the time by somebody else, which is what we all mentally struggle with. And that what you've just said there is that it's, for most people, it's that may be an outcome, but there's lots of things that happen before that and there's lots of other stages. And so... In talking to people or for people listening to this podcast, what sort of things, what is the process of getting an aged care plan in, in place and, and how should you go through that to cater for all of those stages? So I think that probably the biggest thing that we see um, as the biggest obstacle to planning for aged care is the resistance from the person who's ageing um, for a start. And then the second part of it is actually trying to get um, all the family onto one page and so that everyone understands, well, this is what mum or dad wants or this is what my partner wants um, to see happen in, in the scenario that they do have to go into some sort of aged care. Um, but a lot of people generally don't start by just going into a nursing home, the starting point is sets a lot, you know, is often a long time before that when, um, you know, they can't manage the basic things around the house. And you can go and have an, what's called an ACAT assessment done. Um, that's done through My Aged Care where you, an assessor will come out and assess to see what level of um, funding is available for you to assist you with um, the day-to-day living in your home. And often that can go on for for many, many years prior to the actual need for um, permanent residential care. So is that that something that is, if you're going to go into permanent residential care, that's something that's actually required? It is. It is. So the best time to do it is to to plan earlier when you don't think you actually needed, I guess. Is that is that the reality? Yeah, and it's probably one of the things that we see uh, a lot of clients actually make a mistake when they go and have their ACAT assessment. They're happy to have it done uh, for the provision of care in the home, mm. but um, they, ain't, they don't tick the box to uh, have the assessment for either temporary care or respite or yep. permanent aged care. Uh, the assessment's still done the same way. Um, maybe some extra questions are asked along that time. Um, But it still needs to be done prior to you go to aged care. So in the scenario that you've had home care and we've decided, yeah, it's time the family can't look after you anymore and they need to go into residential aged care, 
the weight then to try and get um, an emergency or a priority assessment is, is long. It yep. can be. Uh, we've actually got someone waiting at the moment. They've been waiting six weeks um, wow. from the request and that's a, at priority. The average ACAT assessment takes 18 months to yeah. come through. So, so it's one of those things. Like it's a bit like we yeah. for a long time – Estate planning's become now bread and butter of what we do for financial advice and accepted, and it was a topic no one wanted to talk about. I want to talk about what happens when I die, but and it's almost we get the feeling now, and maybe it's because we've started to take a really serious interest in it. And Paul talked about the level of inquiry. It's interesting to me on the you know not being involved with some clients, but not on the detail of how it came. That most of those have come because or become really understood because some level of respite's been offered and and it's that level of respite that has really identified in the person who's not needing the care or who's been providing the care that suddenly this is actually worse than I thought it was and that realisation of that next step comes in. Is that fair, do you think? Um, it is. As I mentioned before, no family member wants to put their loved one into residential aged care it becomes a necessity um, because of failing health or a medical episode or they've had a fall or they've nearly burnt down the house. And, it, and generally speaking, it's one of those things that has, I guess, highlighted the fact that it's really urgently needed, but it was probably actually urgently needed for a fair length of time prior yeah. to that event actually happening. Um, and in most cases, that that's where, you know, you can it can get quite difficult because there hasn't been, there's been that resistance to tick the box to have the assessment for residential aged care or temporary temporary respite um, in the first instance. But if you tick the box, it doesn't mean you have to use it. You yeah. can still have the assessment done, be approved for it and not go in there. It doesn't so, mean so, you have to go. So yeah. once you've been approved, there's, there's no time limit from then. You, it could be five years, six years. You, once you're approved, you're, you're, Correct, you're yes. approved. So the... The generation going, is it the baby boomers going now or the mm -hmm. early baby, baby, baby boomers at yeah, this point? So, yep. yeah, I guess why it's so massive, I mean, as far as generations go and population, they're one outside, of the biggest. I think millennials, maybe they're, they're the biggest. So, that I, you, you know, a lot of my stats, right? So, <laughs> I did, did, <laughs> He's I, done I, did some, I did some stats. So, this is the average, oh, they talk about the, the kids of the baby boomers, or the baby boomers spend 17 hours a week on average worrying about. Well, the stat I read was worrying about their parents. So this must be the older yep. baby boomer general because of the vast period. But only 51% have a plan in, in place for it. So they spend most of their day worrying about their parents and what's going to happen, yet they, there's no plan in place. Well, so it, that's where there's a big gap. It's, it's interesting. And, you know, you're talking about we're both – I'm Gen X, as are you. Our parents are baby boomers. Mm. You know, our, our parents-in-laws are baby boomers. And between uh, uncles, aunties – father-in-law, like they, I can name on a handful on, on suicide, there's a couple of uncles that are in either Anadis in, in care, some are respite, some are going into aged care. And we as family haven't really talked about it, right? No. Like It's a very, very taboo topic. Yeah. It's something it's that, that family do not want to talk about. I've had a number of clients in where I've invited them. They've asked, can I come in and have a chat to you? Yeah, and, and that's great. And I've suggested, look, why don't you bring your son or your daughter or your yeah. family members come in? And it's actually quite surprising when they're all in the room and, and the topic's brought up and the, the discussion's quite open and it's very honest and it's nowhere near as uh, traumatic as I think people are expecting it to yeah. be. 
and um, I think the parent from the parents or the, the elderly person, they're thinking, oh, the kids just want to get rid of me, but that's just not the case. No. Yeah. So, so looking at the as far as a financial planner or financial advisor and the the value that um, yourself um, um, can give to, to these sort of clients outside, you know, they get the ACAT test um, and get assessed and get that done. What what are the areas that what are the complexities? Do people need to think about or just too hard for them? I guess there's contracts with residential properties, there's Centrelink, there's, there's whatever. What other areas do you think where, as financial advisors or where yourself, where you can provide the most value? I think there's there's probably a number of parts to it. One, probably the most important part and the feedback that I get from, from my clients is that the burden of having to make all the decisions by yourself um, is somewhat removed because there's someone else going through the data and, and presenting a number of options to the family and then it's a, a just a matter of deciding which of these options is the best option for us and for our family. Um, and that that's actually quite huge because there's so many other decisions that they're making at the time, which is the right facility, um, what should what should I have mum or dad take in there? What's going to make them more comfortable? Who, who's going to visit them? All, all of those types of things. Then, you know, even in after they go into the the care facility, it's what what do we do with the house? What do we do with mm. their stuff? Who gets what? There's just too much going on, and I think um, where where we offer the most assistance is taking that financial side of it off the table for them and say, look, don't worry about that. Concentrate on mum or dad or, or your spouse and, and we'll look into that. And the advice that we do is a little bit different to other types of advice we provide. If Often we provide a definitive answer. This is what we recommend you do. Um, with aged care, what we do is we present a number of options that might be viable for them. Mm -hmm. And then the family chooses what might be the best option for their particular situation. And that takes into account the cash flow of how we actually fund the aged care. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it has to do with what's happening with the family home. Do we need to sell it? Do we rent it out? Do we keep it? Um, and that often comes back to family choices about where is the family home going? Is someone trying to want to keep it? Do they want it to stay in the family? Do, was it earmarked for a certain um, child because of some some reason or something that's um, previously happened within the family dynamic? So often the, the best financial decision is not always the outcome that's the best for the family. Yeah. And I obviously think. the costs that are involved, depending which option you take, yep. are going to be quite different. They yeah, can. And you talk about, I've seen you talk to people about costs. There's a daily cost. There's a, if you have a, a RAD, sorry about the acronyms, but they're, they're everywhere. They seem to be in aged care, whether you sell your house, whether you buy the, uh, the, the residential property that you're going to move into. What, what are some of the sort of costs that people so will be looking at or that confuses people because they're just everywhere? So basically there's, there's four costs. So the first one is your accommodation cost. Not everyone has to pay accommodation costs, but realistically most people will have to and that's the cost of the room so pretty much it's either you pay a lump sum or you rent um, so thinking of it as buying a house you either buy the house outright or you rent it mm -hmm. or um, with aged care facilities there's the option to do a bit of a combination of the both then you move into your actual care fees so your care fees are made up of two different fees one of them is your basic daily fee and that's set at 85% of the pension rate. Um, pretty much everyone pays that fee. Yep. Um, no one's really exempt from paying that yep. fee. 
And then you've got your means-tested fee. Um, that's the fee that is uh, assessed by Services Australia. The assessment of that particular fee is slightly different to how they assess Centrelink. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes we see, while we try and get a, a favourable outcome on a Centrelink age pension benefit, it actually means that the age-tested fee then goes up. So in a lot of cases, what you would think might be the right answer from a financial perspective turns out to be not really the right yeah. answer. And there's, there's generally some sort of a sweet spot. And I think that all of that that you've just spoken about comes back to something you said earlier. The earlier you start planning mm. because aged care isn't a black and white outcome, right? There is so many emotional things at play. There's so many twos and fro's that the earlier you start thinking about something... Um, the better off you're going to be and the more choice you've got. That's fair, Abs- Absolutely, absolutely. And the other thing that I think that from a value of advice and, you know, just using personal experience here, we did some work with um, Sue's mum and dad and I don't think we can, from my point of view, and I was deliberately not part of those conversations even though, you know, they, in, a, in a way they trust me, but having that independent voice, someone who could sit in the room and be completely independent of the dynamics of the family, um, the financial situation, you know, and actually engage a conversation to happen and lay out options, I think was something that really helped them. And and it's a bit of the feedback we've got from clients. And so I've said some really nice words about it. Not that surprising, because I think you do a fantastic job. But that sort of the flow is that it's that ability to bounce ideas mm. and speak openly. Yeah, and it's presenting those options to the family and a lot of the time and the feedback we get is from the clients is, oh, I didn't realise that would be a viable option for us. And it, often that's not for any other reason than they've just got it in their head that, oh, mum would never want to sell the house or or something like that. But when you actually present it to the family and you're all sitting around the same table, it's surprisingly, um, it's surprising that people are more on the same page and are open to different options when they see them presented to them. Um, Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to take them, but at least they know what options are available to them when they have to do this. Okay, cool. Well, one of the things we wanted to get to was your hot tips when it comes to aged care. I think we've Mm. covered one of them pretty pretty quickly. It's been consistent. The earlier you start thinking and talking and planning for this stuff, the more opportunities you've got. Um, so there's there's a good tip that's come out really strongly in the chat. But what what's it, what are one or two other tips that you would give? Uh, the estate planning is really really important. Um, a lot of things can't be done when capacity is lost. So making sure that your wills are in order um, are as they should be, executors are still alive, and that the the plan for the um, estate assets are known by everybody. Uh, and that becomes important, especially when paying RADs, because RADs go back to the estate and are distributed via whatever's written in the will. So Sorry, that's what, what really important. Again? When you pay an up upfront lump sum amount for accommodation, for accommodation costs. Yep. So it stands for refundable accommodation deposit. So 100% comes back. The yep. other one is enduring power of attorney, um, making sure that somebody has got. Uh, that power of attorney in place and that it, they're able to action that. I had that experience with uh, mm. my mum did not have power of attorney over her father, although she thought she had, but at the last minute realised that it wasn't there any longer. 
um, and it, it took a very long time to go through the courts to get a guardianship in place just so decisions could be made um, and that was very, very stressful. And as easy as just getting a power of attorney in place and checking it's still relevant, you know, you know year in, year out is, is really important. And the other one is an advanced health directive. Um, trying to get that done by the elderly person while they've still got capacity so that their wishes around their health and, and the, how they'd like to be treated in their final days is actually on paper so everybody um, knows what's going on and the family aren't sort of forced into making a really, really difficult decision. The, the, what you, you touched on there and I think this goes back, sorry, to the, the last subject we talk, spoke about, so it was the value of advice. This, this estate planning piece was as advisors and whilst Mandy or none of the advisors in here prepare wills or enduring powers of attorney and things like that, um, solicitors obviously do that, but the, the value that the advisor gives is essentially project managers the whole process and can deal with the solicitor and make it just easier, um, I guess, for the clients. Yeah, to, I think to the other thing in that and is that we also, it's a bit like the conversation about the independent voice in and the mm. table. We have a critical eye to those things. Like, so yeah. we say, do you realise this says this? And if this happens, this happens. Mm. Is that actually what you want? Or this doesn't actually take effect until this thing happens. And so a lot of, unfortunately, powers of attorney that we find, I say, they're only conditional on the person losing capacity. Correct. Um, that's too late if it's mm. wrong or yep. if it's the wrong person. Yep. And that's, I think, and the, And the time to, to get that all sorted no. sometimes is, is just too long. It's chaotic. So that, I think that's only two, isn't it? That's Have two. We, Have you got one? a third one? Uh, the third one is there's a website, My Aged Care. It's a mm -hmm. government resource. It has on there all of the residential aged care facilities and offers a bit of a comparison tool. So it's probably your first point of call is to have a look at that um, and see what, what services, facilities are around your area that might be suitable for the family member. And, and that will certainly help you um, understand a lot of the basic dynamics of, of how aged care works, how the fees work, how to apply for the ACAT assessment. Um, there's a lot of, lot of information on there. There's even a calculator on there how to work out uh, aged care fees. It's not all that accurate, but um, it is on there. It's yep. a bit complicated to use, but it's there. Yeah. Well, look, I think this conversation has been sensational. We it could go. It could go for another hour. I could get in a lot more detail. I'm, I'm sure, um, but I think the the important thing that the couple of takes that I took out of it is one is the the preparation and plan, and it is complex. And I've seen Mandy on the phone to Centrelink talking to them for three, four, or five hours at a time trying to deal with issues for clients, which I would imagine be really hard to do on your own. Um, I do have one of the things that you touched base on earlier. I've got vivid memories. You said aged care is not about. Um, the hard part for the pe people getting elderly, it's like life stops then, you know, because you're moving into a home. But I have vivid memories of um, when we were kids going to grandma and grandpa Fowler's. Remember that yep, age? Absolutely. Um, yeah. down south. And it was, yep. yeah, it was just like going to their going to their house. It was like living as normal. Admittedly, we're only kids, but we go down there, get prawns, have prawns on the beach and, and do all that stuff. So it certainly wasn't um, the end of the end of the world. I just want to touch on two things as we finish, because I had a meeting yesterday with a client and I um, just a, a standard review meeting, and we're talking about how you know what things have changed with the business. How Mandy's doing a lot of aged care advice, and we're starting to to do a fair bit of that. Um, and she um, she said is the most amazing thing that you can offer. She went through it two years ago, similar to yourself with with her father, um, and she said it was was madness. It was, it was tough, and the toughest thing was actually getting all the family on board. Um, 
The other thing I want to touch on, and I don't want to embarrass you, Mandy, but I think this is outstanding. We did, um, you did get a testimonial through um, during the week, and I just want to touch on a couple of things that um, she said in a testimonial. Um, she mentioned about, yeah, thanks for the help, blah, blah, blah. Aged care facilities are notorious in their undisclosed associated costs while caring for your loved ones. Um, she loved Amanda's um, assistance for navigating all the financial aspects um, associated with costs of the aged sector. Um, there's two more, sorry. Guide us through all complexities of financial aspects, Centrelink, means testing, refundal, or RADS, um, and plenty of other costs. But the one that got me was this. This allowed our family to fully concentrate on ensuring our mother's emotional journey of transitioning to permanent care was done with dignity and with the love of a family beside her and with the knowledge that all her mother's financial security was taken care of. And I think that that's it in a nutshell. That's Massively that's the powerful. value of what, what you do, Mandy. So, yeah, thank you for your, for your time. Been You're awesome. very welcome. How were you? Your, your, your debut, podcast debut. We'll have to get you back. Wasn't that bad now, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, thank you very much, Amanda, for that chat. That was that was was great. I think it gives people a quick insight into aged care, and I like a lot of things that we talk about on the podcast. And not just because we do this for a living; it is something that you've got to take seriously, and you need help with. And whether it's, you know, as we said, it's not about coming to see us; it's about seeing someone that can take you through this journey and help you through this, because that's really the role that we play in any part of financial advice: is to help unbundle things that are complicated and present options so that you can make informed decisions. Um, and I think you do a great job of that. And I think there's a lot of financial planners out there that do so. So thanks for that. It's been a really good chat. Please jump on our Wealth Radar Facebook page, give us feedback, tell Amanda how great she is. That's a definite five star. You know, us bullfeds, maybe we didn't get five, but Mandy will get us across the line. Um, drop some notes about some topics you'd like us to talk about in the future. And well, if you've uh, got questions around aged nah, care yeah. that concern you, Flick them through. Flick them through and we'll get Mandy to write a detailed pod uh, blog <laughs> so that you can get the answers to that. She'd love to do that. She's looking at me, daring. Uh, what are you doing to me? All right. So don't uh, like the page, the page. Don't miss our next episode. And thanks very much for listening. And I forgot to mention at the top. So if you're still listening, thank you very much because this is episode number 10. We hit double figures. Who'd have thought that we'd have kept going? So obviously someone's listening. Outside family members apparently. Absolutely. Next stop is 100. We'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational purposes only and the information contained is of a general nature and may not be relevant to your particular circumstances. The circumstances of each investor are different and you should seek advice from a professional financial advisor who can consider if particular strategies and products are right for you. In all instances where information is based on historical performance, it is important to understand this is not a reliable indicator of future performance. You should not rely on any material on this podcast to make investment decisions and should seek professional advice. Fowler's Group ABN 5710524484 is an authorised representative number 230575 and credit representative number 403265 of FYG Planners Propriety Limited ABN 5509497254 Australian Financial Services and Credit Licence number 224543.